0: Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper. With me, as always, Joe Hilliard.
1: And Dave Gurney.
0: Huh? Huh? (laughs) David sounds kind of weird today. He is... uh, enjoying a wonderful, lovely vacation at an undisclosed location in the Northeast. Um, so he is coming to us via a, um, video chat, uh, that will remain nameless until someone pays us. Uh, but yeah, so we are bringing him in via the modern wonder that is the internet. And, um, yeah, so if you notice, David's voice sounds kind of weird, which undoubtedly, 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 you did or will. Uh, that is why, never fear, he will be back with us in studio next week, kind of. Uh, but <laughs> before I go on any longer, we must moisten the glasses. Um, and so I, I brought a beer for Joe and I to drink here in studio. Um, from the brewing project. Now this is a brewery that we are familiar with here on the show that we have had before in many different incarnations. Now this one is called orange drink. It's mm. an Imperial sour ale with mandarin orange and marshmallow flavor. And I thought this would be a good one. Uh, not only to try cause it's a little different, you know, the marshmallow and the sour, but it's not a smoothie sour necessarily. So it doesn't fit mm. into that where you would normally expect the marshmallow to be present. Um, and, and, but, it, you know, the the name Orange Drink to me, it sounds like, and I didn't do any research, uh, <laughs> that the Brewing Project is trying to harken back to a drink from your youth. Uh, I remind you of something from when you were a kid. Uh, and so with the idea of uh, transporting to a different age, uh, the idea of age and of time uh, in mind, I have brought this beer for us to drink now david again it's a, it's
2: a four beer episode
0: oh and this is uh this is a, this is a 9.47
2: oh we're starting strong uh, hello
0: so, so not what you would normally sure here today hour um but yeah definitely a little high on the abv but obviously david being uh th- over a thousand maybe several thousand miles away from us uh we couldn't get him this beer, so he's got his own. We don't. It It is unbeknownst to us. We don't know what this beer is, so David, please. But I bet we're
2: going to be jealous. Well,
1: I don't know about that. This is an interesting kind of callback, and I think it has a connection to the beer you've chosen for, for you and Joe to be drinking. Um, because you mentioned orange drink, it made me think, oh, I have this craft seltzer that I got from a mm. local brewery uh, in the area that I'm at. So, so I guess I'm revealing some clues here as to where I'm located. Um, but we've had them on the podcast before, actually. This is Lone Pine. oh yeah, Brewing. Uh, okay, okay. And Lone Pine has a double IPA that they call o j that is you know a citrus forward double iPA that I believe we liked when, when we had it on the podcast, although if I remember correctly, maybe we were a little less. We felt like it wasn't as citrusy as, as the label made it out to be. But you can see here. We had that. What, kind was the, of,
2: J, what was the J-Lo stripper movie? We didn't uh, even do that, that movie. Hustlers. Hustlers. That, that's what we did. Hustlers. hustlers. Yeah. No, we
0: didn't do we Hustlers. Talked. We talked about we it. Talked we didn't it. do it proper. Oh, okay. We just yeah. all happened to have seen it, and so we talked about it. That's with, right. And we paired right. it with that O.J.
2: Lo from yeah. Lone Pine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So this is the craft seltzer version. So it's it's five percent. So I'm 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 down a few steps from where you guys are, but um, you know I'll, I'll tell you about it as I, as I sip here and uh, get it in my
2: glass. The 14 percent ABV uh, that you're intending on having in the second half should even you out. David. It'll be
1: fine. <laughs> I'll bring it right up. Yeah, um, you know we're we're going to need it. Carlos has kind of alluded to to some of the territory we're meandering into here uh, with our film this week. Um, you know, th- this was one that when we were looking at the calendar of new releases uh, for the summer that I think all three of us had some level of interest in, um, w- which was somewhat rare. You know, the, uh, we, 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 ha- we were really split on a number. But this one is um, M. Night Shyamalan, who we have tackled on the podcast before. Uh, we, we looked at Glass uh, many episodes back. And along with that, kind of did an overview of his career, right?
2: Yeah, I believe that's what I, happened. Yeah, then. I think we went from signs through the happening into uh, you know all. Uh,
0: I think no, I I think we went back we, far. We hit a bunch of them. I feel like I mean we had. Yeah,
2: time I said signs. I meant six Sorry, Sense, from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah, we talked about uh, Shyamalan for that full episode. I'm looking up the number of the episode now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the you know um, w- we wanted to revisit has this new film, new film, old coming out, <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you've seen the trailer, you kind of know that the. band premises. you have um, these people, um, in particular a family um, who, who we follow through the, you know the beginning of the film to this sort of isolated secret beach on this island resort um, or that's part of this island resorts uh, offerings. They get whisked away there and when they arrive at the beach, um, you know, there it is, lovely, but they begin to notice strange things are happening in particular. Um, the children seem to be aging very quickly, um, going from being just, you know, six and 11 years old when they show up there to being, you know, seeming like they're in their teens and and so on and so forth um, until they realize that all the people uh, on the, the beach, the adults included, are kind of aging very rapidly. Um, and, you know, most of the movie is set there on the beach as these characters struggle to come to terms with what it is that might be going on. Um, attempt to try to figure out ways to escape because they are kept from doing that because whenever they try to leave, this intense pressure sort of imposes uh, down upon them and, and forces them back. Um, later, they kind of realize what, what might be the source. I won't go into too much of that, but but you get the idea. This is sort of a trapped on a beach. Strange things are happening, very much like a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, um, big time. But, um, but not unfamiliar territory for M. Night Shyamalan, who, you know, brought us things such as The Village, such as uh, The Sixth Sense, such as films that give us this kind of puzzling, somewhat suspenseful opening, um, well, you know, really two good acts of the film, and then bring this kind of, oh, this is what's really underneath all this, which we do get with this film. And I won't, I guess, go into that with the synopsis, because I feel like, where we stand on that is probably going to say a lot about how we feel about the film. So um, I'll let, I'll let one of you guys maybe start in terms of your feelings about this film or what you'd want to highlight first about it.
0: You know, M night Shyamalan remains maybe one of the most polarizing figures in
2: modern cinema
1: I don't think that's... Uh, I, I, if we're talking about this
2: film, not, I have... David, go ahead.
1: I was just saying, that's not too bold a claim, right? I think, I think you're right, that he, he is a controversial filmmaker. Even the films of his that were hits, there are people who feel like there's kind of a cheap trickery to his storytelling.
2: I, for me, it, it on this film, I'm walking in blind on reaction to it because I really haven't had time to see if there what the even the Rotten Tomato meter score is. It's like 52. I okay, so that would be a very polarizing very score.
0: I've seen five star reviews of it. Like I've seen full ass five star reviews. Yeah, right. And I've seen
2: negative reviews. Right. And where do you stand? Where are we headed? <laughs> I mean, I. He's a
0: complicated man, that Shyamalan, uh, because because he clearly is a talented filmmaker. I mean, it's. I, I agree with I that. don't think that it would be fair to say that he's garbage or he's trash. I mean, even even in the moments where he misses, and I'm not I'm not necessarily saying this is one of those, but like the happening is a big miss for him. You know, Huge stuff like that. Huge miss for me. Uh, I never saw <laughs> it, but I have not heard anyone in just conversation talking about films say positive things about that one. Every right. time I've talked to somebody about it, they're like, that movie fucking sucks. Yeah, like, right. this movie, you know, they hate it. They hate it. Um, but yeah, clearly the man has some talent. I mean, The Sixth Sense wasn't a flu because he did it, you know, he had more success with Signs. I think The Village is a strong showing from him, even though that's also a, a divisive film. And in this one, I feel like more than ever... Shyamalan is caught between two worlds that he would like to inhabit. I think that there is some compelling cinematography in this. I agree. Um, Framing. I th- I think his eye for casting is really good. Like the casting of Aaron Pierre as midsize sedan, who which is a absolutely garbage name for a character, but he is somebody who I think visually just his face is so striking. And to have somebody somebody like him, like Rufus Sewell or Sewell, I don't know exactly how to say his name, uh, yeah. the physician guy. Um, I mean, these are people with very, I, I mean, I, specific looks, very striking features in their face set in a location that is also very striking and that sure. is also very visually compelling. So I yeah. think that there is a clear aesthetic to this film that, for me, plays really well. The, now, co- the
2: color palette, it's, I mean, the, the cinematography palette, palette I, I 100% agree with you. There is some interesting, highly discussable filmmaking technique in play in this film. And I
0: like Alex Wolfe, too. Um,
2: I thought all of the children, all six of them, three pairs of children as they age.
0: Yeah. Three, three pairs
2: of actors with the, you know, portraying the same children. I thought all of them were pretty stellar.
0: Uh, But what you also have here are things like naming a character midsize sedan. What you also have here is some truly baffling dialogue in the writing where, I mean, we have some really bold in your face moments of exposition where a character like just says a thing that is going on like to camera, you know, and
2: I was thinking that maybe he should have renamed the film told. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's, Thank that's you. A, I've been a, working on some good. material. <laughs> that was a good one.
2: The exposition got so bad in my viewing with 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 my fiance that we we were giggling yeah. and then poking uh, our elbows into uh-huh. one another and then and then repeating dialogue to with emphatic like and by the way, in case you didn't exactly see the thing that I just said, uh-huh. let me say it out loud to you. Yeah. So that you yeah. have no questions whatsoever. And, right
0: and and so okay, over so, and so, over
2: and over distractingly so
0: yeah the people that i were there with as well there were moments where as a group we all kind of laughed out loud at certain lines of dialogue well um, i don't think the director was asking us to i okay.
1: i disagree no i so, disagree
0: so, oh interesting so this is exactly where i'm going oh here's the curveball but but to wrap up the cinematography aspect of it i mean there are certain things that he's doing like there's a scene with these like action figure kind of things where the camera is going back and yeah. forth in like a tick tock grandfather clock you know to give you the time thing and i think that's a little too obvious a move a little too on the nose uh and so i don't think it plays to the effect of especially because the idea of like that pendulum swinging uh as a time device keeping device is a little Mm -hmm. bit antiquated in 2021 and so i don't think it's going to play super well um for for most people but yeah he really is towing this line between like super camp and like some and real seriousness because this is like adapted from a graphic novel Mm -hmm. that really plays into the existential Dilemmas and quandaries That would take place In this type of scenario And so he takes that And then he kind of Camps it up a little bit But he My my issue with the film Is that he doesn't go Full tilt in either direction He doesn't commit Mm. to the camp But he doesn't commit To the serious You know 20th century French philosopher Existential crises (laughs) That you would expect From from at least my reading of what the source, I haven't read the source material, but from what I've seen everybody say about it is that it lives kind of there and it explores more of the uh, um, sexual, the rapid sexual development of the kids in a way that this one doesn't get into as intensely. It it, it winks it at you. It it does. I mean, obviously that pregnancy is pretty like obvious of like what happened, but but the exposition
2: of the love scene was just, yeah,
0: you don't, you don't see it and they don't, Dwell on it in a way. I liked Which,
1: how they handled that. I, I, I liked how
0: I did too. That. I'm certainly not. I that that part I didn't need. No, in I didn't. a way I wasn't mad sure. that they kind of didn't focus Cut on away. that as much. But there was a bit lacking in terms of really digging the teeth into the existentialness of it all that I think would have benefited this film. Either either do that and really sink your teeth into it. Right. Or go the other way and give us more of the scares like in the cave where the girl's limbs are breaking and healing rapidly until she's completely dementedly Ooh. disfigured which was and yeah. and one of my favorite scenes because it was so uncomfortable and so effective and so I mean that to me was the most terrifying part of the film and I loved that so either go more oh my god either go there 100% or yeah. go the other and and so I just I just wish he could have Decided which one of the and 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 I don't know maybe this says more about me as a viewer that I didn't appreciate the nuance of balancing the two, um, but for me personally, I would have rather had a commitment to one or the other. Now that being said, I'm yeah I'm real I'm right mm. in the middle of this one. I'll let I'll, uh, let,
2: you, I'll let you. David, play. you got a curveball coming, I think. Um, for mm, me, really, all right. For, oh, I, by the way, Kylie. Hated this movie. Okay, uh, ranted huh? about it the whole drive home. If I, wow. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to accurately quote the words that you just said, Carlos. That the uh, scene where the trophy wife of the doctor who happens to be there, there's a doctor, there's a nurse, which is very convenient. Uh, the trophy wife is aging rapidly without uh, without her calcium deficiency medicine because I need calcium deficiency medicine. And when she learns that she's got a little hunchback, she goes, "Oh my gosh, my calcium deficiency." And, and then she needed to order a shake because she has a calcium deficiency. It's this, expo- to us, yeah. this expository... That one we needed, though. Over the head. I feel like that one we needed. But then you said that the scene where her brittle bones, because of her calcium deficiency, in case she didn't catch it, was uh, <laughs> were was hitting a rock, breaking, and then of course aging rapidly. The cells, uh, wounds that we see. I think healing, kind of an interesting. Rapidly visual when the doctor is going to do an emergency removal of a tumor, mm-hmm. he makes a slice and the slice instantly heals up because yeah. in the accelerated space that our cells are working in to age us, mm-hmm. clearly a wound would heal much more rapidly than in real life. Yeah. So that was an v- interesting visual. But this bones and healing plot point too. and then his match blowing out so that you can only hear cracking and screaming and, and then every time he lights a new match, she's more and more of like a... A, 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 a twisted puzzle Yeah. was the most mm-hmm. hilarious scene and oh. the least frightening of all of them. I was doubled over in laughter watching that occur. Because all of a okay. sudden there was this jolt of body horror seriousness that did not belong with the rest of the piece. And it was very hard to take it seriously. Also okay. not to mention that she is a huge caricature character.
0: Which but, which which a lot of them are. But, you know, I, I completely understand where you're coming from and I think that's a totally valid take on that particular sequence but for me one of the things that kind of makes it more horrifying is that the alex wolf character is doing something he very obviously does not have to do which is keep lighting wow. the match and keep witnessing the horror and so for me i don't know that kind of played into the tenseness of it all because you're just screaming at him stop lighting the fucking matches dude she can't find you um, yeah. yeah yeah
2: and well, he keeps right. doing it but... david we haven't talked talked in a while are you still right. on the line no, what? <laughs>
1: I I certainly am. I'm just trying to readjusting to this, doing it via video conference, trying not to talk when others are talking is uh, of of, uh, a prime importance. So, uh, yes, invite me in and and I'll, you know, excuse me for not interjecting more. Uh, Yeah, I I like this film. Uh, You're probably not surprised to hear that Uh, in part because of its messiness. I mean, to me. M. Night Shyamalan um, is a fascinating kind of filmmaker. You know, Carlos said that he's, he's a controversial filmmaker, and I think that's true, um, you know, it, objectively true. People are split on many of his films, even the successes. Split. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, even the successes are ones that, that people have trouble with, and I don't think he is by any means a per- perfect filmmaker, but I think he's a really um, unique one. Let's put it that way. I mean, he I think has there's elements of Spielberg in there, you know, that was like the early tag, yeah, you know, the he, early Yeah, he he did a big he,
2: he did a big obvious rip off of the pull Yeah. Uh, pull focus shot in from, from Jaws, Jaws with yeah. Roy Schneider with the the right. wife, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I didn't I, um, I'm I'm forgiving him I would too if I could make a film like that on a beach. Makes sense. Right.
1: But but then there is this kind of um self-awareness that creeps into his films and this one more profoundly i think than any of the other ones especially with the insertion of him as the filmer of what's going on on the beach uh a bigger cameo
0: than what he normally gives himself
1: much bigger he's in it quite a bit yeah has lines and and the i love those super far away uh, telephoto shots that you get of yeah. him on the on the mountain ridge or what you know the ridge there where mm-hmm. he's like looking down at them. It's I mean I I laughed at every one of those but in a <laughs> joyous way not like I mean there was something campy about it there, yeah. there was something definitely on the nose cheesy about it but then there's something just kind of wonderful about being that cheesy so I, I do think you know you've hit on it the, both of you that there is this kind of. I'm going to use the same term split personality that this film has where, yes, we have the existential conundrum of aging rapidly. And what effects would that have on one? It gives you this kind of, um, you know, really intense microcosm of life itself and how does it play out? And Mm -hmm. what are the things that are actually important? You know, as these people age an entire lifetime over the course of a day, what are the things that actually are important to them? were they the same things that they were when they entered can relationships change over time what yeah, i mean they're yeah. fascinating set of questions But that David that explored. would have been so
2: much more hold on ex-
1: hold on hey 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 hold on <laughs> let me finish cuz then it's hard to interject go that ahead anymore.
2: go ahead i'll i'll remember uh,
1: the the other piece there is this kind of weird interest in like the sci-fi explanation of it all that we get at the end mm-hmm. that i think is you know, sort of folded into this weird campy framing that he has of himself as a filmmaker telling us this story and kind of like, I'm going to use the trappings of the sci-fi genre to legitimate telling this story that's really this kind of thing that's probing these things in almost a funny way. Now, I think there's a lot of missteps here, and I think Prime Among Them is, you know, the very end of the film. I, th- I, th- I thought, like, if if they had chopped down, like, two to three minutes off the end of it, I think I would have liked this film a whole lot more. But um You wanted it but, slightly you know,
0: more well, open ended.
1: Yeah, and I just didn't need that weird false closure of like, we're gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, like like, like the, the bow on it, yeah. Well it was ridiculous. I mean mm-hmm. you have these two characters who have just lived a lifetime of trauma and tragedy and are dealing with the fact that they've rapidly become adults when they were children just 24 hours before. And they just kind of like are on this helicopter together and like, yeah, they contacted her aunt And she was kind of surprised talking to a 50 year old. We're going to be OK. <laughs> we're going to be OK. I don't know. like that was such a weird. And I, it, I guess I could fold it into the camp and, and maybe I would I could appreciate that. But there, there was something like that was like a step too far for me. hi anyway, I... sorry what what was you gonna say about when I was talking about it being the existential thing? Well the, I uh, think it, all, it
2: ultimately it goes back to two things number one, for me, I was very eager to see this film based on the trailer because I thought that the premise that was presented in the trailer and some of the horror elements that were shown was going to I'm going to always give this guy a chance always because I have enjoyed so many so many of his films uh, in from in the past and I know he can get there
1: uh-huh.
2: So, I was when we had our talk about what film to do. Do we want you know, I I was eager to do this one. Um, I think that the knowing the trailer, seeing the trailer, the information presented in the trailer was required to get you in the theater, but it also hurts the viewing experience because some of those essential elements are already given and you're waiting for the beats to come that now you know that you've already seen. That's a small point. The story here is great, the execution of it is so. Th- level three when if it had been level five or six depth depth how interesting were those existential questions david what the one that i reacted to earlier was do the things i worry about at the beginning and then when i'm how how old were they 30 years older uh the parents uh by i the, think
1: i i think they were saying that it was like a two years an hour so 24 hours would hour, be yeah. about 48
2: years okay So, yeah. And their makeup, they weren't aged properly for that, but okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but, but wouldn't that have been much more of an interesting exploration with characters that had any dimension and none of these characters did? Zero. They are all caricatures sitting on that beach. All of them. The psychologist can't stop saying psychologist stuff. The nurse can't stop saying nurse stuff. The doctor is using the word laceration when in that company he would have learned prior to now to say cut the cut that you have on your head is what, is what, you know, yeah. cause you're not a doctor and I'm not at a doctor convention. I right. mean, that, that was so uh, I, yeah, unforgivable I the,
1: to I think, me. I, I hear where you're coming from, Joe. I think that so what many it does missed opportunities.
2: Me,
1: well, I think what it does for me bringing in the campiness and, and the somewhat, um, you know again, like I think you 're right, some of the characters are intentionally one dimensional like I mean it 's just there's well, no other way that to me the it.
2: intentional one dimension of those main characters on the beach
1: well, I mean, he, he wrote them that way i mean they aren 't just like the actors didn 't come up with that dialogue on the beach to say like these very obvious things to one another. He decided this is how I want to define these characters, and he 's not dumb I mean, I think he 's a lot of things, but a uh, dumb isn 't one of them. Um, I think he knows that this is very on the nose dialogue that you're getting, but I think part of that is it brings in this kind of weird, um, you know, I think it's his, it's like a Lynch move almost. It's like giving this weird unsettling. It's like, is this bad filmmaking, bad storytelling, or is it really, and, and you're kind of messing with that and that's messing with you. And then this deep philosophical stuff is going on and it doesn't feel so boring. Like, if you had this done by a european film and i'm this is something i never do but i'm just like the european art film approach to the movie about people at, rapidly aging on a beach and and what it does to them is you know like people pensively looking off into the distance and like yeah. you know dramatic strings and like mm-hmm. that would be maudlin and overdone and it would probably turn me off because it's trying to be too heady this is like wait, this is kind of a goof. And then as, lo- as I'm going along, I kind of... Re- no, actually, this is pretty profound. I mean, these people were about ready to get divorced, and really these problems were pretty over... You know, they overcame them pretty quickly in the span of this time that they've passed what? here because of this rapid... I mean, that was fascinating to me that I don't think I've ever seen a film make that point, that story make that point to me that the problems that feel so big in the immediate present over time if you can view them relatively don't have the same kind of weight i mean it's something that makes sense but i don't know that i've ever seen it pulled off in a film this way i will
2: tell you on the way home acelyn said the exact same thing it's something i hadn't picked up on and it was the notion of um they find out over the course as they're rapidly aging that not only is the wife sick with a tumor that then rapidly expands and much must be you know excised yeah. But she also uh, was they, – they were putting off telling their children that they would be separating after this right. trip mm-hmm. because they had grown apart. But then the, the, the husband learns that she's actually had an affair. Then mm-hmm. at the end of it, when uh, Gael is uh, half blind and she's half deaf and they're old now, he says, I don't remember what we were fighting about. And she says, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And while Asa and I were tickled about the entire film and some of the really poor choices that were making us laugh out loud when it wasn't intended, in my opinion, uh, she did say, yep, yep, yep. And on the way home, she said, I think the key to life is learning that with before you're 30 years later. That these yeah. things that we escalate, and, and yeah. infidelity is hard, and all, but, yeah. but, but the, that the problems that lead to those things, they don't really matter. Let's do stay together because, you know...
0: Let's <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to sing.
2: I haven't had enough beer yet. But. I, no, I, am I am so surprised. Here's the thing, David. I'm never surprised when Let you say you like a film that I don't back. like. But I am surprised about this one because, you know, it, it, it was bad. I, it was bad. It goes into the happening camp for well, Shyamalan. Well, and he's got these weird I, categories I, I, where I, every once in a while you are going to get a horrible one. And this is it for me.
1: Based on the criteria you're applying to it, I understand why you're arriving at your assessment, but I just think it's the wrong lens to view this through. I don't think this is... Uh, Shyamalan has proven to me he's not a filmmaker who I can go to with... I have to give myself over to him. I, I just go along for the ride, go where he wants me to go, and this one felt like kept me entertained, kept me going, even when I was questioning the twist... Um, ultimately, I was fine with it up until those last few minutes, where where are kind of like I said, when well, a little was no too twist. pat twist.
0: Oh, uh, that's not true. Sure. Let's calm down. There, there was, there was no I mean, twist. There's, we, there's, hold on. There we, was a, no. We knew they the were being up, observed.
2: That <laughs> we, we knew they were being observed for a reason. We learned the reason. There was no twist. Right. The only twist was that we thought they drowned and they didn't. And then when you go back well, to see that they didn't so drown, that's a no, twist. No, that's not a twist. That's let's go back and the the sweater. Gets to- get, get the sweater that's that's wrapped around the coral. We got it off the coral. That's not exciting narrative at all. There's no twist. No,
1: I mean, well, that's we never not, believed yeah, they were I, dead.
2: I watched. No, no, I, no. no of I course there was no twist. That
1: was a twist at all. No, no, that wasn't a twist. The twist is like it, that they are doing this kind of medical research, and I mean spoilers, right? Um, There's and a greater that they're good. Justifying mm. it. Wait, but that they're justifying it with this kind of ethical. Balance of they sure. are saving millions of lives. If you die so for the sake of the majority, is sacrificing. And and to me, like I don't know that he needed to do that. No. But <laughs> but I'm also not like. But I do think it's a twist. I do think it's like what could possibly justify these people being messed with this way, trapped on this beach? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe this this is kind of a justification, and some and you know that there are some at least corporate entities that could maybe fathom these kind of justifications. There yeah. are certainly precedents for it in history. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, to me that, that, that was questionable, but it was a twist.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's a twist. I think that if, you know, we found out that like the people that ran the hotel were some like satanic, sadistic cabal of like whatever, and they were doing it just to torment people. That's more of an explanation that fits into the horror room. The twist of, the The explanation that we get, I think, is more of a twist on what you would like expect from the horror genre in this particular instance. Um, a few things that I wanted to add to what you guys said. I think that you're right that the Gael Garcia Bernal character and his wife... Uh, whose last name I'm not entirely sure on the pronunciation, so I won't try. But I think obviously, like, their story is exactly what you guys were talking about that, like, the problems in the now are not as big in the macro sense if you can look at them over a longer period of time. But also, I think the interesting thing is that the doctor and his quote unquote trophy wife, <laughs> um, I think also. Shyamalan is making a point with those characters that also some of the pleasures and some of the instant gratification of being like an older wealthy man that ha- is you know married to a younger attractive woman that though those specific kind of pleasures are again only those are on the opposite end of the problems only being problematic in the now and not being as big of a deal long term those pleasures are only pleasurable in the now and are diminishing returns long-term. And so I think that's an important part also of what's going on there. Um, And I think a point that he was clearly making that I would hate to get lost um, or overlooked. um, I also kind of like, at first I was a little disappointed with (laughs) Rufus Sewell's character um, or Sewell or however you say his last name, um, because I know him to be such a compelling villain And have (laughs) such a kind of menacing presence about him. He was a little milk toast. Uh, But well, so what I like about it is normally he's a very uh, calculated, um, cutthroat, like vindictive kind of villain, where Mm -hmm. he is looking to cut you down and diminish you and stomp on you. And in this one, his villainry is outside of his control. It's something that he isn't choosing. Right. And I really like that kind of play on his type, um, because, yeah. it and and, you know, especially that when he is at his most villainous, you can't really see him. And so it takes away the kind of naturally menacing look of his face. And so to do that with somebody that, may not be like an iconic villain in the pantheon of cinema or anything like that. He's not like a... Mm
1: -hmm
0: a fucking uh what's his name uh from no country for old men why can't i'm drawing a oh bardem. javier, javier, bardem. javier bardem. he's not like a javier bardem where we all know Anton him, you know Chigurh. yeah you know we know him from that we know him from bond you know we know him as this villain uh so not quite to that level but i still think the subversion of his normal type is a very compelling one and also kind of playing against type with uh ken lung who was uh I feel mm-hmm. like an iconic villain in Rush Hour. Um, I believe that's him uh, in that one. Yeah, it's um, that's the actor. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. Him kind of playing with these actors that we know from other things uh, is, is, is compelling to me. Um, I saw, you know, I, I know you guys are going to get so mad at me for this, but I saw a review. <sighs> Wait, was he not? It's the Uh, review,
2: the review portion of the program.
0: It's not not the review, the review portion. It's just another way that I feel like Shyamalan is so divisive and also can be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, Because this was a uh, a review from someone in the New York Times. I don't remember what their name was. But they pegged the twist ending as anti-science propaganda.
2: I did read that.
0: Which I found very interesting because at no point did i read it as anti. I read it as anti-capitalist and obviously this is no surprise for many of our listeners that have ever heard me talk about literally anything ever but <laughs> like an- to say it's anti-science is weird because what they're doing has been very successful scientifically but what it read to me as more is not that science is bad or that science is wrong or whatever it's that the like mechanisms that makes Scientific progress, profitable or bad, because they literally see these people as just means to an end. There's no value in the human I life. I think the itself.
2: anti-science part of it is an intentional uh, playing of human lives in the light of a faction of a country that believes yeah. that the vaccine is just that. That's what the new, that's what the point was. In the I, ge- I guess I
0: just don't. I I, I, I don't
2: agree with that point at all. I, I don't. I don't agree I with it. Not going to excise I, portions of potential science fiction just because.
0: For I just I just find it to be quite a leap uh, right. in what is clearly something completely different. Um, But, yeah, and David, I agree with you about the, like, last bit, like, in the helicopter and all that kind of stuff. Like, you didn't need it. We could have just, like, it could have been... That they showed up and like ha- he handed the cop the book or whatever, and then there's like a hubbub going on and there's some chaos, some commotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then just a yeah. just a just a like a a pan out like a the camera moves up into the sky right. and we hey, see right, a big right. over here, out. Roll yeah, through, right. Crane out, exactly. Thank you. Crane out. You roll fucking. While credits.
2: the two kids that are now fifty go build a sandcastle on the beach with the little boy that's still there, the the employees' straight up nephew,
0: Deadass? That that's a really traded. good idea. Yeah. That was a That's a really ending. good ending.
2: I came up with so many better ideas of what was presented while I watched the entire thing. Uh, All right. But, but, I'm but, glad okay. you guys enjoyed it, but I, I can't understand how you did
0: it. And see, I didn't even really enjoy it until we started talking about it. I was, <laughs> I was really... I was really confused and like, you could ask anybody that was there with me when we watched it, like we came out of it and they were like, so what'd you think? And I was like, I'm not quite sure yet. And even as Kylie and I were driving home and she was like, I think I actually, she was talking about it a little bit and uh, you know, about five minutes into her discussion of it, she was like, I think I fucking hate this movie. Like, I think this is a bad movie. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I still don't know how I feel about it. I mean, uh, and so I think that, yeah, I think it did some things. I think to say that the ideas in it were bad is looking it isn't correct and not to say that an opinion can be correct or incorrect i think that it's more the execution for me 100% uh, one thing and you guys will probably think i'm insane for this or just think that like what an unrealistic thing to hope for carlos please come back to reality <laughs> i would have liked to have seen this from the studio i don't know what studio produced it or released or anything. But well, what I would have liked to have seen was a marketing team really challenge themselves to promote this film as nothing but an M Night Shyamalan film. And don't tell us anything else. It's old. Uh-huh. It's M Night Shyamalan. Maybe you could show us each set of the kids, the two, the two kids, like standing next to each other or something, so that we would get uh-huh. a hint that, like, oh, these clearly look like they're supposed to be the same people at different ages. But what does that mean? Or something because there's, uh-huh. and the reason I say this is because there's a lot of moments visually in this film where he's clearly hiding a reveal from us he's hiding something from us so that we can get the reveal later
2: on and yeah. those
0: do not pay off no they don't because we go into it knowing that they're on
2: a beach where they rapidly age but it's interesting yeah. it was an interesting composition it, the, it, the shot it is a, the framing it, it is an
0: interesting composition but this is one of those movies that if you could have just gone in not really knowing he, anything about it the because the rapidly aging thing is a foregone conclusion. But there's so much time building suspense around it, right. and there's so much effort building suspense around it, that when you know that it's going to happen and that it's coming, don't really pay off in the tension-creating ways that you hope that they would. And so I think that, oh man, it's just one of those movies that I wish I really didn't know a single thing about going in, and I wish I could have seen it totally blank, blank. slate. just Because I think it would have been so much more effective
1: that
2: Call way. Carlos, we agree. It sucked. Hey, David, <laughs> sure. how, was your, how was your beard over where you are? Uh,
1: I, I do just want to make a couple quick points before we totally wrap up on the film. No, you know... No, 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 I get yes, it, I, I get it. There's, there's a lot to uh, say about this movie. I, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I think you guys did make mention of uh, the the younger actors' performances being good, and I think... I, I kind of felt that way a lot with, with, with most of the cast. I really liked uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, especially, because yeah. she was kind of the primary... Um, uh, you know Maddox character that she uh, had the most screen time. The girl I from guess, JoJo Rabbit, I think. Yes,
2: yeah, she's coming up. Along in last along night with in Soho,
0: Hill. I'm looking forward to that. So hyped about last night in Soho.
1: Um. So you know that that was exciting. I I, I like seeing them. I thought uh, Gael and uh, uh, Vicky. I know you you also were cautious about this, but Creeps I, I I I think she did. It's not a Krems. great job, and I. <laughs> and she she was great in Phantom Thread and a few other things that I've seen Ooh, over the Phantom years. Thread, I and I knew she looked so, familiar. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, she was one who I was excited to kind of see. So I don't know, it was just like, I was really... Even when the lines were kind of strange, I thought they delivered them in the right way and it all kind of just clicked together. And, and I don't know. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that uh, Joe came out so cold. Glad Carlos maybe at least saw something there. Um, I found a lot to like about myself sir <laughs> it's uh it's very tasty definitely getting the orange flavor but in a sort of seltzer mode rather than a citrusy hops mode mm-hmm. um it's been very pleasant to drink uh i'm enjoying it at 5% i don't mind that i'm drinking the whole can myself so uh, how how did the the orange drank go for you guys
2: Joe how did you feel about it uh, i i kind of loved it uh sour ale with with orange is a fantastic idea. The can art seals the deal, meaning only that I would never judge a beer in the ta- way that it tastes <laughs> and delivers a, a, an impact only on the can art. But it, it's a it's nice package, art. and it's, it, it, it's, it's, it says orange soda, right? You said orange soda, a, a look back at when your youth. When you say orange soda, I think Fanta or Sunkist, and I think that this is a pretty damn good representation in the beer world of that the sour is not so sour that you can't mm-hmm. taste that orange sweet
0: no it's a yeah, it's like an orange cream it's like an orange cream soda uh for sure i mean i this is you know this is not the first time that i've had this um as you could probably tell by my introduction of it um and you know it's it's a very interesting beer i mean it's much more marshmallow forward yeah it's got a pillow in what it. you expected um, or the what I expected at least going into it. I mean, they call it a sour, but it's not as I don't And I also think that I've I've, I've had a lot of, of of beers, especially over the last year, with how um, huge the smoothie sour thing has been. Uh-huh. Where I'll get marshmallow build to me, and I won't get a lot of it coming through. And in some cases, I want it in. I want it more than other cases, like something that gives me blackberry raspberry marshmallow like uh, you know i want some of that vanilla sweetness in there i want it to kind of taste like a kolache almost or something you know but i don't Mm -hmm. like i sometimes it's buried under some of those more pronounced super in your face berry flavors and and this one i mean they do where some have failed they delivered on the marshmallow in a big bad way they did and i appreciate them for that and then the orange is a little more subtle um than the marshmallows um i think daniel good friend of the show uh described it as more of like an orange rind um mm. than like a sweet juicy kind of orange coming through so i definitely enjoyed this one big part of why i decided uh, to pick it up this morning or this afternoon it was like twelve thirty, 30 and uh do it for the show um, so definitely right. good pick. Yeah. definitely a fan of this as it turns out fan of old i think <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen there as I was going in. So I was like, you know, I'm going to think it out as we go. It's
1: I I, I love, hey, a film that can get that kind of reaction and, and got us talking that much, it's it's at least worth taking a look at. Uh, I even, 100% believe that it's worth Even saying. if you come away hating it like Joe, you can go talk to others at parties now that we can get back to it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and tell them what idiots they are for liking it. Sure, them, sure, uh, for, sure. For liking it. So uh, when we get back, we're going to look at an unbelievably different film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> entirely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything more than that. So hold on to your butts, people, because we're shifting gears when we return. The, no week more than this week has Joe been able to see that I'm about to press record and jump in early, and he. Uh, oh, he you put not. your
2: finger up there and uh, f- tried to fake me out. I saw the whole thing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, but he still let me have it. Um, we are going to get into beer. Do du- I don't um, know what Dave's having, but beer dose. Some,
2: I should I should say beer dose. I'm excited about what we're about to have.
0: Um, so we are having a beer that I've had once before, um, and actually, okay, so I've had this beer before. It's been a little. While. It's been at least a year, maybe more. Um, but this is from a brewery that you have heard us talk before. It is one of our top five, I would say, breweries out there right now. But it is one that is starting to get distributed uh, more widely here in Texas, and it is one that we have in the last few months been able to. I would. Dare to say regularly Maybe consistently uh, Get here in town Uh, And that is ingenious brewing company Out of Humble, Texas In the Houston area And this beer, uh, thank you, Daniel, is called Smart Cookie. And this is a bounty of cookie goodness. Imperial milk sat with cacao nibs, chocolate chips, and more cookie dough than the nation's student debt. Like, a lot. (laughs) 10% ABV. You know, I love it. And so, like I mentioned, I mean, this is a, a brewery that, uh, we have not always been able to get here super easily. Starting to distribute farther, they're doing these 12-ounce cans instead of the 16-ounce like they had typically done in the past. The can art's changed a little bit. Um, and I, for after hours, I have a beer from them that we have had on the show before, and so I'm going to bring another can out in this new 12-ounce format in a widely distributed format, and I hope that we have enough of a memory okay. of the last time we had it to be able to talk about a brewery that we love and respect and appreciate all the big, bold risks they take, the they swing for the fences, and, and, the see, and see if that product can still maintain... Uh, it's quality once a more wide distribution plan begins. Will you that's, open it, please? Nice. That's, 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 that's patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast, $5 a month. gets you a bonus episode every single week. Uh, now, David, what? Uh, now that I've comp- thoroughly agitated Joe by taking so long to open the beer, <laughs> brand, uh, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking a uh, beer that is a bit of a callback again to... Uh, beer that we've had before on the show this is from foundation uh they they are a brewery out of portland maine foundation brewing uh we had them back on episode i believe it was 79 Uh, we had their storms of saturn and their purple berry jam and that was our episode where we did uh, holy mountain
2: Uh, one for the ages
1: you were 10
0: episodes away from being perfectly tied into the film (laughs)
1: yeah, yeah, right, 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 almost. (laughs) Uh, But but this beer is actually called Bumbleberries My Jam. So so kind of they they have a few of these jam beers. You know these fruited sours. This is a sour ale with blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, and milk sugar. So so some lactose in there. Five percent. So I'm drinking these sixteen ounces myself while while I'm uh, in my remote location. So I'm trying to keep the ABV. Control. yeah Keeping it low. but big on flavor i i hope yeah low, low and slow yeah uh yeah so w-
0: we didn't discuss who was going to do this uh, but i guess i'm going to since i'm Go the for one it. talking right now Go, jump uh, in jump uh, yeah so we are uh we're doing a film that has you know i w- last week we did a, a last week we did a Werner Herzog episode. And specifically, when we were talking about Aguirre, Wrath of God, Joe said something that I think strikes all of us film fans in a certain way and that we all kind of feel in our core, and it's that there are certain films, certain filmmakers maybe even, who you know are required viewing, but sometimes it feels like you're taking your medicine, right? And sometimes you just got to take your medicine because you're going to feel better. Uh, Mm Yeah, And this film that we are talking about is a film that has long been recommended to me that has long been the discussion of like great films that everybody should see especially you know in my uh more uh what is the term you use pointy-headed 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 uh filmmaking sure a friend group or whatever
2: my hat is very pointy, and I don't make any apology. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it, but but it is one that I've never seen. I think at one point I might have even owned it on DVD, or like somebody lent it to me on DVD, and I still hadn't seen it for whatever reason. It just got
2: buried under a mountain of expectation. Sometimes that happens. It does. but
0: This is um, this is a film called Itu Mama Tambien. Uh, it is by Alfonso Cuarón, who we know from the fact that I did not finish his 2018 film Roma children uh, of men children of men um fucking uh gravity mm-hmm. uh was a big one he did uh was it great expectations
2: uh oh no a secret garden no he
0: did uh, he he did great expectations 1998
2: okay um yeah okay uh a secret garden what was secret
0: didn't he do a garden I don't I don't see that one in his um, one. edit this out
2: immediately it's okay, we're going to put in.
0: Uh, but this is his th- fourth film? Fifth? Uh, he, he's got a lot. He's got a lot. A- anyway, so this is his film uh, from 2001. And it stars uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, who we just saw in Old. It also stars um, a... Uh, I just, it doesn't compute in my head that at the time of the filming or the time of the release of this film, Diego Luna was 22 because he looks 14 in this movie, but Diego (laughs) Luna, who, uh, recently has really been kind of coming into the mainstream. He was in Rogue one and was amazing in it. Um, which is the best Star Wars movie? Fight me! Um, and you know this is a film about these two seventeen-year-old boys uh, who whose girlfriends go off on this European vacation. They're very concerned about their girlfriends cheating on them while they're away, but as soon as they leave, they have every intention of cheating on their girlfriends. And they meet this older woman, Luisa, uh, a Luisa, who uh, is the wife of. Um, Diego Luna uh Tenoch uh his cousin it's his cousin's mm-hmm. wife or his distant cousin's wife uh his cousin's away or but they but they really they tease her with this road trip idea to this fake beach that they've created and then
1: Well this is the tie-in too. Don't don't miss the, the beach, in yeah, here.
0: don't miss the tie-in with the beach too. Uh Secret beach. Secret beach. In this case, that doesn't exist. Uh, and Though so it does. Though it does, as it turns out.
2: Um, or you get to uh, have sex with someone who's old. Sure, <laughs>
0: sure. yeah. Uh, but yeah, then, then through the series of events, um, she ends if, up... If
1: that's how you're thinking of Louisa, then uh, yeah, <laughs> sign me up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Through, through this series of events, Louisa ends up taking them up on their offer. They go on this road trip, and they learn... About life, they learn about sex, they learn about themselves and their relationship with one another, and it's this kind of road trip film through Mexico. But it's also about Mexico, and it's also about uh, sex and masculinity, and about. Um, and it's a coming of age film. So I know that of most of us film. are really
2: happy about that. I love a good coming of it's, age film.
0: It is just. You know, I'll come out Go. straight away and say I love a coming of age film. I fucking love this movie, it and it good? is just so ah, dense. I'm so it happy. Is, it is so dense, and it, there is so much going on, and there's so much being said. Not just like through the actors' performances, but through like where it's set, the locations they move through. Um, Alfonso Cuarón has made two movies in the American studio system at this point. Comes back to Mexico to make this one. Um, to I mean because he obviously has a lot to say about Mexico in this film and I just can't I I have to apologize to our audience that it took me this long to see this movie I have to apologize to myself (laughs) that's right you have to
2: apologize to yourself that it
0: took me this long to see this movie uh because it I mean this is a film that when those credits rolled there there's just you're overcome with these feelings that are lingering that you're marinating in and that you're thinking and things you have to think about. And especially because the movie ends in a way that I don't think I necessarily expected. And I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll let someone else kind of... Hey, David, I'll talk got, for a couple talk, minutes. Talk to, um, take the conversation.
2: I'm so glad that you liked this movie. Um, I, I know that I was one of the people that recommended it to you all of the time. You know how when you're in a conversation with someone and you realize that that person you're talking to has not seen some amazing movie that you think is amazing and yeah. you think that they'll like it and you make that recommendation and they just completely blow you off. Yeah, we, we've been in that situation, you and I, a couple of times. I'm sure. And I'm not, I'm not sliding you because I'm sure that I'm the same way. And then I finally watch Good Time and go, motherfucker, that Carlos knows a good movie every once in a while.
0: <laughs> From time to time.
2: No, I, I, this is one of my favorite films and watching it for the show, which I haven't seen it in maybe five or six years, um, you know how Citizen Kane took many years to begin rising through the critical, you know, and yeah, becoming sure. what it is? Every time I watch this film, I connect more deeply to it and I see more and more things that Quaron Qu- uh, was trying to do. You call it dense. Um, I'll just bring up one of the elements that I enjoy so much. The movie is about these characters, but then the director will pan right for no reason except to show you what's going on in the kitchen of the restaurant that these people are eating at. These pictures mm-hmm. of everyday Mexican life from the tours that I just described to politicians to the, the omniscient narrator breaking in with a second of two or, of silence. I was going to
0: say what a way to yeah. introduce a narrator. Before I mean...
2: and after every time the narrator talks the film goes silent and now you mm-hmm. and then you learn to expect yeah. here comes some narration
0: which which not to cut you off Go ahead. but is one thing that i just loved about this movie is that he he wasn't playing around like he, he was he had this very specific vision of this narrator who exists outside of space and time and the action and it wasn't a he he wasn't it's rarely expository it's, it's really expository, but it's also like, the fact that he chose that silence m- made it such an explicit decision to have yeah. this narrator present, and it made it kind of, the silence is almost like, a, like an air horn, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, where it's like, pay attention to what sure. is about to be said. Yeah. It's sure. important. It's important. It's not necessarily about the narrative, but it's going to inform the narrative. And and it's just... It's so well done in a way that a lesser filmmaker using this much voiceover could... Be to the film's
2: detriment. I'll quickly finish my sure. point, and then I want to hear what Dave had to say. But the narration at the beginning is expository to a point. It's it's saying yeah. this is the girlfriend, this is the boyfriend, this is what the parents feel. It's this setting up background. the so- it's setting up yeah. the socioeconomic differences that we're going to look at when the two male characters. One of them is very wealthy, one of them is working class, but they are still friends, and you know. Um, But then later in the film, the narrator is used to say if they had been driving by this exact spot 10 years Uh, ago, they would have seen this horrific car wreck where these everyday people were doing everyday things and were in the wrong place. And that is what Mm -hmm. life is about, not the folly that we're seeing with these characters. Now, let's look at the folly of these characters.
0: The narrator also talking about Chewie or Jesus and what is going to become of him as... Uh, developers move into these untouched beautiful beaches and natural resources and stuff yeah Yeah. there's there's uh, there's Mm -hmm. a lot happening with that
2: with that voiceover david you have a long history with this film
1: yeah yeah i do I, I i love this film um you know when we were when we were searching for a pairing for old i mean there are other films that maybe would have made sense in terms of uh being that kind of conceptual thing with the you know, like the Twilight Zone kind of uh, concept.
2: We but I, had a concept. Which is but whatever. But <laughs> but I love
1: but I love the idea of of revisit revisiting a film with uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, uh who I came to know through this film. Yeah, me too. And another one where he is on a secluded or the quest for a secluded beach is a big part of the film. Now they take them obviously in very different directions, but um but I was glad to have that kind of opportunity to pair. And yeah, I mean, this is just what a great, um, you know, experience in film as a storytelling medium, doing more with the story than a typical film does, but not necessarily um, not boring you at all by doing that. Right. I mean, Quaron, the the films that you talked about before, and I don't, I don't even know if I, I feel like you left off uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, which I think is probably the best of the Harry Potter films.
2: From at was least that the ones I this? saw. No, it was the next film. It was the next film. Yeah. Um, and when I said you know, Secret Garden, I meant Little Princess. I just had a brain fart. Uh, uh, okay. okay. okay, okay
1: yeah. he, he is an entertaining film. He entertains audiences. He pulls us in, he gives us lots to chew on. Um, the camera moves so Mm. in this film in particular but you know we we see it in gravity done to a more sort of technical end but here the handheld movement throughout very fluid they've done so much to block these shots and kind of just make them work as these kind of longer takes um as as we kind of move through spaces defining them uh, Uh, the uh, way he shoots people
0: in the car struck me
1: yeah yeah I mean, the, the whole like riff on the road movie, which he obviously loves a very American, you know, kind of genre of film,
0: teen sex comedy, but, um, too.
1: teen sex comedy, coming of age stories. But then bringing in these elements of the social, the social and political realities of yeah. Mexico and and really kind of, you know, like Joe said, there is this kind of tension in the film where you're constantly shifting, especially in the voiceover between you know, here's how these big things play out in these particular people's lives. But here's how these other things that are incredibly important and sometimes affecting, you know, hundreds of thousands of more people um, are playing out also behind the scenes. It's just, there's very few films I can think of that really kind of play with the scale of things through the voiceover in the way that this film does. And it pulls it off so kind of seamlessly. And and in, a, and in a profound way, like you say, with this marking off of the voice, mean, it's, it's such a bold film in so many ways, and yet it works all together in such a perfect package. I remember seeing it when it came out um, and being blown away by it and w- when it was getting all the critical praise it did in that first run. And I've returned to it several times throughout the years because... It just is that stunning of, of a film. And even though I've loved many of his other films since, I think this is still my favorite of Quaron's films.
2: Yeah, it's mine too. And I, we got to talk about three things or I'll be disappointed. The third one is sexuality. The first one sure. is the color palette. One of the most strikingly beautiful images in all of cinema is when uh, Gael dips his head into that pool with the leaves on top of the water and begin blowing bubbles. The color palette, the cinematography, the framing of that shot, the emotional stakes of what's going on right in that moment, that's when he had told, that's when the morning after he had told his buddy that he had slept with his buddy's girlfriend.
0: That was right after he did.
2: Right after, yeah. Yeah. No, because it was a night thing because he spent all night playing playing no, it was right after, and then they had that night where. And then yeah, they had right. the. You're right, you're thing. right, you're right. Um, the second thing is the acting in this film. I never once believed that we're almost not watching a documentary that's being beautifully filmed. The acting in this film is stellar, natural, incredible.
0: Yeah, it's helped by the fact that Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal had been childhood friends you know like their natural chemistry with one another really uh really plays on screen in a wonderful way and uh, when they trade uh,
2: uh tricking each other into smelling their their gift of farts (laughs) <laughs> and that's at the very, very beginning, and it sets up that relationship so naturally, yeah. and me and my friends did that stupid shit, so I can completely relate to the, the, the a magical storytelling of real, everyday 17-year-old bullshit.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's one thing about this movie that, okay, so, one thing about this movie is that it's, you know, he leaves America to make it. Because the American way of making this film is much more unrealistic, uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, but what was the second thing you think that should be talked about? The, uh, the color acting. palette, the, the, acting. the acting, how natural uh, it was. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. You uh, thought you, those were real people on screen.
0: Yeah, and I mean the characters uh, more than anyone. I think that deserves just immense credit. Here is Maribel Verdú, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, The actress that plays Lisa, I mean... Are you
2: talking about the most beautiful woman in the world? Yes, I am talking about her.
0: I mean, she is stunning, but also her performance in this movie is so electric. She's so um, captivating as an on-screen presence. I mean, she, despite the fact that this movie is largely about the two men and their relationship, and I don't know. It's hard to say that it's largely about anything, but she fucking anchors this thing. Every, every scene that she's in, she is holding it down for this film. She is delivering such an honest, captivating performance in it. And, I mean, there's so, there's so much happening in this movie that I forgot until the very end that she went to the doctor. Right. Like, by the time oh. that comes back around again, I had completely forgotten that that uh-huh. happened. Because she gets
2: a one-two punch, and her the character gets a the one-two punch. The character does, yeah. She and goes I, to the doctor, we don't know anything about that, and yes. then her husband calls him, calls her drunk and says, I've cheated on you. The, and the crazy... Yeah. leads her into this adventure. And
0: the craziest thing about it is when she went into the doctor and we didn't receive any information from it. Just the narrator. You just, you see her walk through and you, like a John Ford almost, kind of through the doorway. Uh-huh. I... I I knew as I was watching it, I was like, this is very important. Whatever's happening in there is very important. And we're going to find out about it. But then through the rest of the film, totally forgot about it until the very end. But I mean, for her, for her to be delivering this performance that is so informed by information that we don't find out until the very end. And just, (sighs) she's so convincing. She's so believable. She's so electric. And Yeah, I just, I don't know. This movie with a lesser actress in that role doesn't work to the degree that it does. But that being said, this movie is so much the sum of its parts. Like, I mean, it's so much that every single piece of it is executed to the highest level possible. And it's rare that you see a film that tries to do this much and is able to uh, execute every single nuanced aspect of it to the degree that it is. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a rare thing.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a great film for all the reasons that, uh, that we're sharing. It's, I think a breath of fresh air when you sort of put it up against almost anything, because it, it kind of stands on its own. it, it does so many things that you can definitely connect other films, but it's one of those true instances where you've put together all these different elements and you've created something truly unique out of it, right? And 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 of its own sort and something that I've never seen replicated. It it is a coming of age story. It is a road film. It's all those things, but it's also something something very different. Um, it, and it's, and it's a heck of a lot of fun to watch. And I think it's definitely one of those films where if you're like Carlos and people have been recommending it to you over the years and you've just kind of avoided it, avoid it no longer. It's, it's going to be a pleasure to watch when, once you sit down for it. Um, and I know Joe wanted to speak to the sexuality. I think this film was, you Leave know, it to like to start con- it off <laughs> slightly controversial at the time. Um, not controversial per se, but but something that people noted about it was the frank um, homoeroticism. Ho- I mean, outright, I guess, homosexual kind of uh, romance scene that happens right towards the end of the film, which, you know, is is part of the the guy's coming-of-age story to, to, to an extent, and the way that that plays out is interesting. It's kind um, of a tragic part I, of their coming-of-age story. It, it is, it is. And I, you know, I guess as the years go on and I see it repeatedly I, I start to think like I'm I'm not entirely sure how I come away from it like if it's really they've been repressed and that, that there is this love that could have gone further between them or was it just them misreading each other as be I don't know It, it to me
2: was, I, was I don't the know weekend at- so sensual that anything goes within the light of day of the next day
1: no
0: I think that I think that it's more the former than the latter. I mean, I think it is a kind of uh, repression. It's more of a. I think that there is like a certain undertone of like the exploration of bisexuality in this movie, um, that. I mean, look. When we're talking about the sexuality of it, we're talking so much about, um, frank real frank real conversation, frank real conversation, but also. Um, like traditional masculinity. And I mean, especially like, you know,
2: oh, yeah, leading up to all of it, they would use the uh, FAG word to, you know, yeah. denigrate one another the way that you would yeah. certainly have seen in that time With, period. Probably which, even now, which so. is
0: much more common in Mexican culture for people to use the word Pluto. Like
2: I, uh, mean, I know that. Even, yes.
0: Even, even as far as like, I'm reading the, the dialogue, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, 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 for sure. I mean, I mean that is exactly what it translates to. I mean, the translation is accurate. Sure. But the cultural context of it is slightly different. Understood. I mean, like, when you watch the Mexican national team play, when the opposing goalkeeper takes a goal kick, the crowd yells, boo and uh-huh. as he kicks it, you know? And yeah. it's something that, like, uh, broadcasting has had to censor out because they can't get the crowds to stop doing that. It's, it's just much more commonplace than the other word is for us. Not that that makes it any... Worse or better or any more. They're, acceptable. In a, they're in a different space, um but you know it is like a cultural th- difference um, understood that um, exists. But I think that I think that there is so much in this. I mean, and you know, c- c- at least half coming from a Mexican family and being raised in an area that where is largely largely Mexican or Latino of some sort, and having a lot of friends that grew up in those traditional Mexican households and stuff. I mean, this idea of masculinity is a very specific one, and it's a very traditional one, and it's a very kind of machismo one. And there is so much of that in these characters, and there's so much exploration of what that means. I mean, just down to... Diego Luna, I mean, the, literally, the film, since we're talking about sexuality, the film literally opens on a sex scene. Yeah. A bare ass sex scene. Yeah, you the know? first
2: line of dialogue is, uh.
0: Yeah, and and the whole time that Diego Luna's character is having sex with his girlfriend, he's asking her, are you going to cheat on me with an Italian? Are you going to cheat on me promise with a French? Me, are you going to cheat me are you going to cheat on me with a white backpacker and he's so concerned about whether or not she is or is not going to remain faithful to him. While at the same time, not only do we find out later that he has not remained faithful to her while they've been in the same place or whatever, but that he has no intention of remaining faithful to her over the summer. And so that there's this double standard that's involved in the way that, you know, traditional kind of hyper masculinity exists or is viewed. And then even moving on from that, I mean, their entire goals for the summer are to have sex with different girls at different parties and then chase down this conquest of Louisa, who's an older woman that like, they don't think that they could really pull off having sex with her, but they're hoping that they can. And they're going to do what they can to try to figure that out. All the while they're jerking off in front of each other. They're looking at each other's dicks and like, There is clearly they both clearly have some at least bias. I mean, they clearly like having sex with women. They clearly are attracted to women. But there is also
2: this attraction to men that they both clearly have throughout the film. Or, or, but, or at least the understanding that between the two of them, which is all that we see, yeah, there could be something. a more open discussion and flaunting of even our own sexuality.
0: And I think that builds to the end where they have this moment. But then I think that, at least for me, my reading of it is that at the end of it, they both sober up, they both look at each other, and they both realize what we have done and the feelings we have expressed to one another are not socially acceptable.
2: They won't go further.
0: They won't. But it also kind of ruins their friendship that they have both... I think what ruins their friendship more than anything because... And I really feel like this is what's happening here. I don't know if Kiran has ever spoke on this. But because they both had had sex with each other's girlfriends and at the end of it, they're laughing about it. They're drinking over it. They're joking around. They're hugging each other over the idea that, they've, that they're, uh, as he refers to it, come brothers, as we in America would refer to it as Eskimo brothers. Uh, if you say so. They're, they're not mad at each other over it at the end of the film. When things get weird for them is when this, that moment happens and they have this kind of homoerotic moment, I guess, or whatever, however you want to refer to it, when they kiss... Uh, during this kind of threesome that they're having. It's that. It's this idea that they have expressed this feeling towards one another, that they have openly expressed
2: their sexual... That Louisa predicted. That Louisa... Yes,
0: yes, that she predicted. And so it's only once they've openly expressed their sexual attraction to one another that their friendship dissolves. And I think it's because there is a shame that comes with the idea of this traditional Mexican machismo idea of masculinity that... That behavior is not acceptable. That lifestyle is not acceptable, and they know that because they have admitted it to one another. That they can no longer continue in their relationship. Well, and with right. all due
2: respect, and I can't wait to hear from David because David, you are in the horrible end of a of this threesome being long distance. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would think that it is unwise to narrowly say that is just a Mexican trait i it, think no, the same no, thing it's, happens in it's 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 not every not, country no America. no it's
0: it's not specifically a mexican trait but i mean like but but, but yes growing up where i have in my experience i mean I agree, this understood. is a very traditional uh-huh. mexican idea of mexican, but there are plenty yeah there are plenty of no, americans it's, it's, that aren't
2: pursuing it's, things it's, uh, because of shame guilt and social requirement for sure yeah. for sure For sure. yeah all right david jump in here my man
1: yeah no i i mean i i think all, all of what you guys were, were discussing there um it, it makes sense. It, it it probes those ideas. I mean, whether or not it's like a realization of something that was there and they, they're thwarted or it was... A, but, but it's fascinating that the film could kind of weave that in in such a uh, so subtly. an overt way. Well, subtly, but then it becomes overt in a way that it wouldn't in most films up until then, right? I mean, this is uh, a film with a certain frankness by the end of it. Yeah. That oh, uh, I think the pacing is perfect. I,
2: I have and no. Yeah. I have yeah. no expectation, even when they're jerking off together uh, on <laughs> yeah. separate diving boards. Yeah. Talking each other through it. <laughs> right. Or just uh, comparing their visual, you know, rolodex yeah. that they're currently using. Yeah. Uh, I did not foresee that it would go to them getting physical and then when louisa Mm -hmm. begins having sex with them um I i think the most notable amazing part of it is how her maturity and understanding of sexuality that they do not have at their young tender age of 17 cripples them when they both you know ejaculate prematurely and she's got the same Oh, God, look, um, you know, after yeah. the first one does it and the second one does it. And then yeah. and, and they then both apologize. Watching them cripple themselves in that, I guess, coded requirement of being angry that you cheated on my girlfriend, this girl that yeah. I do not care about, you know, this right. girl that yeah. I am cheating on myself. and and, right. and And the requirement of the bluster because you have offended my manhood. And then how you're right, Carlos. By the end of the movie, it's just like we talked about. in old, none of this really matters.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think I want to say about the subtlety where David said it was very overt, and I referred to it as subtle. I think what I was referring to subtly is the tension of the exploration of bisexuality. I don't th- like in an American film, it, right. would, it would have been overtly stated. Like, and then after their. Uh, sordid night together they could never look at each other the same way that's what the narrator would have sure. said in an american film and in this yeah. one it's, it's handled with much more tact and with again much more subtlety Directness. And nuance. Um i and, think
2: it's direct in its indirectness yeah they had they, they this yeah. was the last time they would see one another it's a it's that's a it. show don't that's tell situation yeah. in this one for sure and i'm so glad we picked it david what a good call yes yeah, it's, very yeah it's a great film to revisit agreed when well, would mean, we revisit uh, any of these beers? He said, say, "Looking there, for a segue. Is, is
0: there any more? I uh, I I just feel like there's so much. Oh, oh to no, we chew, chew on, on this. Film with, for, I mean, you know yeah. that I would hate to leave any stone unturned, but I uh, but but I, I I do think that we really got to a uh, really in a in a um, efficient way sunk our teeth into like the Carlos, are there numbers.
2: films that you remember watching a second, third, and fourth time and seeing different, more more uh, more layers, more weaving together of a of a much more vibrant tapestry, but it requires future viewings. Because as I said at the beginning of our talk here, watch this again. Did Kylie watch it with you? Watch it with her. She did watch it, it
0: and really liked it yeah, as well. Watch um, it again
2: in a couple weeks when you've had time to
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, the only things I can really think of are off the top of my head, at least are not ones where I was discovering new things about it. I think it's ones where repeated viewing kind of changed my perspective on it. Um, like we talked two weeks ago about dogma at first when I saw it originally, I was like, Oh, this is such a funny mockery sending up of organized religion, a Mm -hmm. ridicule of it. And then as I real, as I watched it more and more, I was like, Oh no, there's a certain reverence for organized religion that this film has that I didn't. Right like understand originally and the same with high fidelity watching it as a scorned love struck you know 16 year old or whatever I was, sure. like, yeah. I was like yeah man i understand rob like i you know, <laughs> me and rob are the same and then and as i grew older and watched it more and more i still have the same love for the film that i did back then but i realized more oh rob's a fucking dick like <laughs> rob is not the hero of this uh film, right uh that i thought that he was um so yeah i don't know i that is a question I was not prepared to answer. Well, it's okay. This it was a really, rhetorical uh, question. I'm glad you answered that. <laughs> yeah, answered it, right it was more
2: about, watch this a second, a third, a fourth time.
0: Oh, this is yeah. 100% going to be one of those films that at least once a year
2: gets put on at yeah. some
1: point. Um, yeah, you want to see I,
2: the most beautiful woman ever uh, once <laughs> a year, minimally. Yeah. Right.
1: I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll throw in that to me, I said earlier that this is my favorite of his. The only one that comes close is Children of Men. The, oh, those yeah. are the two things would sort of compete for the top spot. I've never seen I'd... Children
2: of Men. Oh, my God. We've oh, done well, this episode I've all wrong.
0: <laughs> I liked Gravity a lot, though. No, I didn't Check really out Children of Men
2: um, and then Google the thing about how they shot the car scenes because you talk, who, one of y'all uh, talked about car scenes in this I d- film. I did, d- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the only thing that keeps this movie from being one of those – just like comfort movies you put on uh-huh. like, Oh, I can't think of anything to watch. I'm going to put on this movie, the crying. No, no just the language barrier. Yeah. Because true. it's not something you can really casually have on in the background as a non-Spanish speaker. It's something that, you know, you have to really be paying attention. And, and honestly, I, I, I rented the version that came with the English subtitles preprinted. And there are some scenes, especially in the car when they're talking where the subtitles are moving at such a rapid pace uh, that it's almost hard to keep up at times. Um, and so that, that even I was, I was feeling it and I wasn't going to say it to like show my hand and be the fucking dumb shit that I am. Uh, but even my much smarter than I wife, uh, Kylie looked over at me and she was like these subtitles are going really fast and I was like they are going so fast right now Like, uh, it's like you know they gave you like three seconds for like a full sentence, you know whatever um, they, they, but were, they were talking fast Gotta keep as up. soon as I learn how to speak Spanish this will be a comfort movie for there me you where I can just uh, put it on and uh, which is a thing that I would like to do in my life at some point. Will this be a comfort beer, he
2: said, uh, looking again. Oh,
0: yeah, 100% of this beer is delicious. <laughs> now, we're
2: having the smart cookie from Ingenious. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember all the ingredients, but it's a... Uh,
0: oh, well, I'm glad that you asked, Joe. It's cacao nibs, chocolate chips, and cookie dough. They're trying... And uh, uh, how much cookie dough? Uh, as much as the nation's student debt. Like, oh, a God,
2: A lot. Um, I, I loved this beer um, it's For delicious. reasons I might go into During our after hours I didn't have very much of it But I wish I could have That's a 10% uh-huh. ABV on a beautiful stout That's completely balanced With all of the flavors promised And all of the flavors delivered Yeah, Genius knocks it out of the park again I was at a beer share earlier A bottle share earlier today Which I'll also talk about in after hours If you guys will indulge me Shouts out Easy Beach Shouts out Lots of shouts out um, and someone was saying that, I was asking a couple of brewers that were there that have that own breweries here in town, how, how much do you consider the ratings given to you guys at uh, Tap Hunter, Beer Advocate, those kinds of things? Untapped, yeah. Untapped, certainly. And um, one of them said, uh, I'll tell you off, Mike, I, you know, I, I don't like it. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, the people in Houston are saying Ingenious is the number one brewery, and I mean, that's, that can't, that's not even true. <laughs> and he walked off and i was like and i haven't double checked i'm not having fact checked him to see if indeed ingenious is at the top of the list of Houston breweries but i walked off i was like it kind of is the best brewery in houston <laughs> it's certainly it out of the park it's again. certainly
0: top three i yeah. mean i'll 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 leave some debate open for people like brash or yeah
2: uh, well that's why our opinions you know. aren't met with too much derision too much derision when we disagree because you got to you know everyone's different and everyone's got a different yeah. taste palette yeah,
1: yeah for sure david what's Depends going on with you the what there? you're putting emphasis on um yeah i mean i am really enjoying this bumbleberries my jam from foundation i'm a little jealous
2: um, i'll be honest it sounded great 100 yeah it sounds amazing
1: it's it's super tasty it's kind of like fruit punch um <sighs> but but as a beer i mean i mean i'm yeah it's it's the, the only thing I can say is that typically on a sour, I don't want 16 ounces myself. This one I can do, but it's probably going to be the last sour of the night.
2: Okay, yeah. I'm sorry That's you fair. had to have that 16 ounces all by yourself, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The Taking sacrifices. The- I know.
0: <laughs> well, we all make sacrifices sometimes, um, whether it's... What Joe did, watching old, putting himself through that despite his... I'll tolerate old
2: to discuss it through my mouth bien with you
0: guys. Hey, 100%. Balance. That's that's the key to life is balance. Uh Um, And I think we balanced uh, some great beers with some great movies or some at least good movies. At least some watchable, maybe interesting talk movies we're talking about um <laughs> but you know as always we love it when our listeners join in on the conversation uh, the conversation doesn't end here. It keeps going online. You can find us on all of your favorite social media channels, Twitter at beer, movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, facebook.com slash beer and movie TX, beer and is the home base. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate review and subscribe. We know you're going to give us that five star rating, but please leave a written review. And I might even review your review on the show. It really helps us make the algorithm do what it do and put us higher in those search results so that more people can find the show. Um, and as I mentioned at the top of the second segment, patreon.com slash Movie Podcast. $5 a month uh, gets you a bonus episode every single week. You can donate less than that if you like, but you won't get those bonus episodes. You can always donate more just to flex and show us that you really got it like that. Um, but really, $5 a month, uh, not not a ton of money, Um in my estimation for what you get, but it really does do a lot to help us make the best quality program that we absolutely possibly could. Um, So we very much appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers and would, um, you know, suggest that you join that club because what a great club it is. Um, And uh, you know, it's been another tantalizing episode of beer in a movie. And until next time,
1: there's something wrong with this beach we you